episode five of the Off Mic Podcast, only on the internet, because you can't get canceled on the internet as long as I have a microphone, a dial-up connection, and nothing better to do, this show keeps on going. And we are still on iTunes, still at offmicpodcast.tumblr.com, still on Facebook and Twitter, and still accepting your questions, comments, and guest requests. Tell me who you want to hear from, including yourself, by emailing offmicpodcast at gmail.com. This week's episode, very special to me because I've always enjoyed talking with this guy. When I was a production intern at The Bear in Edmonton in 2005, with no clue about what I wanted to do with my career or even how to have a career in radio, Fearless Fred Kennedy always made time to talk with me during his show and help me to figure out how it is that you're supposed to do radio. I've yet to put it into practice myself, but that's why I'm not the reigning king of the center of the universe like he is. Let's go to the station ID. Hi, I'm Fearless Fred, a.k.a. Fred Kennedy, and I am on TV, on Teletoon. I host Fred at Night on Thursday night, 9 and midnight on Teletoon, (laughs) which goes without saying, and I also do afternoons on 102.1 The Edge. Is that good? That's that's really good. How long have you been in radio? I started doing radio part-time in like 1998, and I got my first full-time gig in March of 2000. And what made you want to get into radio in the first place? Afternoon drive on uh, The Bear in Edmonton uh, when Matt Cundell and Jake Daniels hosted. All of it, I guess it's Matt Mahler. He's Matt Cundell now because he's a program director. He's not on the air. But Matt, drive time with Matt and Jake, they were like, they're the best. They're so good. And I remember being in high school being like a complete loser and listening to them being like, wow, maybe one day I could be cool. And then you were cool because you had that gig. But when, no, I wouldn't say I was cool. I, I just hosted the shift. We'll oh. put it that way. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I host the shift. Uh, but like, I don't know. Maybe it's like everybody kind of looks back on things like from when they were like younger as being way more awesome. But I have this like just this notion that radio was cooler back in the 90s. And I think it was the time like music was changing. The genres were changing. There was the massive grunge explosion. And you could say that genres are changing again and it's the same because there's this massive explosion of like this it's almost like the alternative rock genre has become almost like a branch of pop like the biggest bands on a station like Sonic and The Edge are almost indistinguishable from what's being played on pop music the only difference is we're not playing the Katy Perry but we're playing the Daft Punks and the Who's It's and the What's It's and the Everybody Else's so you know well, and that's always the thing with people, too, is, you know, people forget that pop is short for popular music. It's not necessarily its own genre. Exactly. I mean, you've got bands like Set the Whale and Walk Off the Earth and Imagine Dragons, and there's so much crossover. There's so much crossover now compared to the way it was, and that's just music. That's just the genres. It's going to swing back the other way. Like, I guarantee you within the next five years, there's going to be something similar to that, like, grunge explosion, that rap rock explosion that happened in the late 90s. Like, the music's always changing. And the frustrating thing is, is that people get, it's like water. It's like when you get in a pool. At first, you get into the water and you're like, oh, my God, it's so cold. And out of the water, it was so warm. But then when you get out of the water later on, the temperatures are the same. It's just that the water is still on your body. So it starts evaporating and cools you off. Then when you get out of the water, you feel cold. Like, so it, it's always changing. And, and, and being in media, like you're always 
confronted with that change and the listeners that are frustrated with it. It happens all the time, but it's just, it's constant change all the time. You're basically got somebody getting into the pool, getting out of the pool, getting into the pool, getting out of the pool. So it's always changing. It's always kind of frustrating for people. But I think that maybe because I'm of that age and I think you're of the same age where that grunge explosion was like, it was, it's monumental and radio in the nineties had a, the media wasn't as segmented then. So it was, you had radio and TV and newspapers with the big three. That's it. That's all there was. And then the internet came along. And the one thing about the internet is it took over everything. Like everything went to internet or maybe it's just cause I was a little kid at the time. I remember hearing the bear when it launched and being like, Oh my God, everything's changed. The world as we know it has changed forever. Yeah, that was a really long answer to your question. Sorry about that. No, that's fine. That's I, the more you talk, the less I talk, and then the happier the people listening are. So, oh well, I, I'm happy to listen to you talk, true. I think you're a good guy. Oh, thanks, Fred. Uh, now, what is on your resume? Other than you know, we've talked about the edge, and you mentioned that you worked for the Bear. What's what's Fred Kennedy's resume look like? It's pretty ridiculous. Um, I got the TV thing, and we've been doing television for like four years now. I also write comic books and have been nominated a few times for the Gene Day Award, which is like a, the independent category of of like uh, comics in Canada. I've done a lot of different stuff and voice work as well. I did a lot of toy commercials when I first... That's the thing about Toronto is like everything happens here. Like if you want opportunity and want to branch out and do different things, Toronto is the place to be for that. John Doerr, uh, the comedian, he has this great line about L.A. because don't go to Hollywood unless they ask you. Cause even the guy pumping your gas is better looking than you. And it's so true. Like it's, it's like that in Toronto too. Like you can come here and bang on the doors, but it's a, everybody else is banging on doors. Like the guy pouring your coffee at Starbucks is also writing some screenplay. Odds are he'll never finish it, but he's still writing that screenplay. It is like the greatest story about feelings that's ever been written. What are some of the other stations you've worked at before you exploded into a media mogul? <laughs> Exploded. Um, no, my first my first part time gig uh, was at Magic ninety seven in Indianapolis Valley, which is now well actually no, it was overnight at AVR AVR AM eight hundred in Kentville, and it's in the same building as Magic ninety seven, which is now Magic ninety four nine. Jillian Foot, who does mornings on um, the Bear in Edmonton, she trained me at my first. AM country overnight job. Not even lying. She trained me. And then about two hours and she was like, you're good, right? You're good, good. Cause I'm going to go to sleep now. <laughs> so she went and took a nap in the, in the, like the couch in the lobby. I'm not even joking. That's, <laughs> she probably doesn't even remember that, but two hours into the shift, she went and took a nap and abandoned me in the studio. So it was really sink or swim. And also I did overnight every night for a week there. And the morning guy was Wolf Cornell was his name. And I was calling him Wolf Cormier the whole week. And then on Friday, he came and it was, just so you know, my name's Cornell. And I felt like such an idiot. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me? He goes, because I thought it was really funny having <laughs> my name on the air for a week. Like, yeah, that's that's small town radio versus if you screw up a name here, you're, you get raked over the coals. You get cold called as soon as the break is done. But uh, Magic 97, and then I did, I was working at, CIGO and it was like AM 1310 I think at the time and it flipped to 101.5 on FM and then I worked in Dryden 
And then I got, I got fired from both CIGO and from Dryden, CKDR, AM800. Today's history favorite. I got fired from both of those places. And so I went and I lived with my parents in Winnipeg and the station, Power 97, the local rock station. I remember being in Winnipeg and being like, oh, my God, this is like the biggest city ever. It's amazing. I was really excited. And I, I went in every day for like three weeks. Steve Parsons was the program director there. And I went in every day for three weeks with a new resume, new cover letter, never even got to see the guy. But I kept going in, I kept going in, I kept going in. And it was really disheartening to do, but I still did it. And um, I got hired to do, all I was doing was opping voice tracks and helping in promotions. That's all I was doing. And then one day the voice tracks weren't done. Because there was this thing that happened in like, in 2002, the CRTC passed this regulation saying that any mu- music played digitally had to be, you had to pay a tax on it. And so the big companies at the time who were like Astro Media, Standard Radio, Rogers, Chum, and Chorus all said, no, we're not paying a tax. We'll just go back to CDs. And so all the labels who had tried to fight for this law suddenly had to start paying for promo discs of music again. And so they realized that the money they were losing on promo discs was too much. So they just stopped the law from happening. (laughs) And so because of that law with CDs is suddenly stations had to have somebody in there 24 seven again. So I got a job opping these voice tracks and playing CDs and pulling music for the morning show. So one day I went in and the voice tracks weren't done for the overnight and the APD goes, and I call them at like 11 at night, but there's no voice tracks, oh my God. He goes, well, guess you better get some prep done. So I <laughs> prepped for the night and I did my first overnight shift. And the first song I played was Metallica, Fade to Black. And I remember being incredibly nervous when I did it. And then after, like I did overnights, I met the morning guys. I became the stunt boy. That's where Fearless Fred came from. And then, like, so I was doing overnight stunt work on the morning show, helping in production. I was the entire street team. And, uh, like, that was the dubbing commercials. Like, I did everything in that building. I was working, like, every day of the week. And then I got a full-time on-air gig at the GOAT in Lloydminster, and I went out there. And then I came back to Winnipeg because Lloydminster was awful. I loved the station. I loved being at the GOAT. It was amazing to be there, but I hated the town. It was so terrible. Like, it was the worst place ever. They say hi, by the way. Oh, yeah. Like, (laughs) it was so bad for me there. Like, I'm not saying the town is the worst place ever, but for me, at the time... It was the worst place for me to ever be because I had long hair. I was hated. Dude, I I got beat up three times. I was only there for five months, and I got beat up three times. I actually met somebody here in Lloydminster just a few weeks ago that was talking to me. And, of course, everybody wants to talk about all the old people that used to work at the GOAT. And your name comes up during these conversations. And this one guy, he goes... I remember Fearless Fred. I said, I know Fred. I used to work with him. Oh, man. That guy, he wasn't here very long, and I hated him. He was the worst. But I tell you, I don't know what happened. I really started to like him, and then he left that same week. I wish he'd come back. (laughs) Maybe if that guy had called in, I wouldn't have left. You You pulled the shoot one week too early. You were hitting your stride. You know, and it's funny because, like, I was a lot younger then, and I had this, like, take-no-pners attitude. Like, I treated Howard Stern's private parts like it was holy gospel. 
And so I was relentless in the fact that I wouldn't compromise on what I was doing. And I think that, you know, it's funny, like the, when I say it was the worst, it was the worst. Like, I think at the time it felt so bad, but the reception I got in Lloyd Minster, albeit incredibly physically violent, repeatedly, I got beat up at the cooler. One guy, I ordered a beer and I, and this guy's like, you're that slur for homosexual people, fearless Fred. And I went, guilty as charged. And he punched me right in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember thinking like, and I remember thinking like, oh, this is awful. This is terrible. I just got punched in the face. I didn't even say anything. I got punched in the face for who I was. As bad as that was, it's honest. Like it's, it's honest and it's upfront. And when I came to Toronto to work at the edge, the reception I got at the edge was horrible. Like I was getting like email after email and death threat after death threat. And there was like this guy who was like rallying people to get me fired. And, and, and it was this online cowardly mentality where I was getting people like I was getting Photoshopped pictures. This guy was like posting like, my wife's Facebook page, my parents' home phone number. Like, and he was going out of his way to find these things. But with that guy, and, and I remember in particular, this one post that he had made where he said he saw me at this venue and then he made fun of how I looked. And when I read this, I was like, you pissant coward. As frustrating as the hatred I got, like in Lloyd Minster was, getting punched in the face is way more honest than some guy pretending to be an adult, like cowardly going around finding details about you and then going, do this to him. He, 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 he. You can't call yourself an adult if that's the way you behave. It's pathetic. It's so pathetic. I would rather get punched in the face than deal with that because I think it's more honest and more human. This is, that to me is the most cowardly type of behavior. And so, like, coming to Toronto was just horrible, like, and it was long-lasting, like, it was so long-lasting, and and I've never understood that mentality. I can understand the guy who punches somebody in the face at the bar. I can understand that type of behavior more than some guy who's like, I'm going to go home on my free time and go online and blah, 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 you know? I don't get that at all. That's what they say about Lloyd Minster, man. We're socially ahead of our time. That's right. (laughs) Eventually, when they can find a way to send a punch in the face through email, Lloyd (laughs) Minster will be on the cutting edge. So I go back to Winnipeg from Lloyd Minster to work at Power 97 doing evenings. And Edmonton at the Bear, and I did evenings, and then I did drive, and then I came here to Toronto. And I just explained how that reception was when I came to Toronto. It was, like, the absolute worst, like, worst possible situation because they ended up having to let two people go for me to get here. And one of them, uh, he had problems with drugs and other social issues, and he ended up killing himself. And I was really thrown under the bus for that. Like, there, it was very much like, no, we'll just put you on the air. And I went on the air, and I took all the heat for it, like, there was a backlash of this corporate level about things, but I was the figurehead and basically I was like the 
bow of like a an icebreaker. I was going through all the icebergs, taking all the flack. It was really rough. Like the fall of 2009 was like the worst time of my life. With getting punched in the face with all the emails and, and the cyber stalking and everything else, have you ever just been that close to just being like, fuck this and walking away? No, man. Like, never. You can... It's kind of like jail. You can't <laughs> let them take your jello. You can't let them take your jello, man. It's my jello. If I give it to you today, I have to give it to you every day, and I won't get all of my vitamins. I refuse to let anyone take my dream away from This was my dream, and, and, and no one can take that away from me. I'm not going to let... I've had so many situations growing up where... I had to lay down and just take it because that's just like the social structure of high school where the cool guy gets the girl and and the, the, the popular kid with money gets the new car his birthday. I wasn't popular. I wasn't cool. I didn't get a car when I turned 16. I had to pay for everything my own way. I worked my ass off to get where I am and F-bomb you if you want to take it away because it's mine. You can't. It's my ice cream. You can't take my ice cream. Back off, get your own sandwich. You know what I'm saying? Enrollment numbers at radio schools across the country shot through the roof when Fearless Fred said, it's just like jail. <laughs> it is like jail, though. Not like working, but the way people treat you. It's, it's, radio is the weirdest business in the sense that when you said you work in TV, people think that's way more credible than working in radio. But I think radio is way more legitimate in the sense that you have more freedom for creative properties on radio than anywhere else. And I get frustrated when I hear, like, I'll be honest, there's a lot of shitty radio DJs. There really are. There's a lot of terrible, terrible radio announcers out there. But the ones that get the most visceral reaction, be it, I really love that guy or I really hate that guy, those are the people that are doing it right. If you're the person who's just background that nobody even knows your name or has a strong opinion of you, you're doing it wrong. If you want to do good radio, you've got to know. You need to know and accept that there are people that are going to hate you. But having somebody hate you is a way better response than having somebody go, hey, they're okay. They're all right. I couldn't deal with that. You just laid it all out, all the different places that you've had to go to, to get where you are. And I mean, now, sure, you live in your own custom-built uh, facsimile of the Baxter building, high above the clouds in, in Toronto, and you're the king of all media. But at actually, some point... I live, live way outside of the city. I live in uh, one of the suburbs, and, and I take the train in. I take transit in because I'm so rich. I take the train to work every day. I'm trying to paint you as a picture of success here, Fred. You're not helping. I am successful. I'm successful. I have my own desk that I'm allowed to put Lego and action figures on. And to me, that is success. Now, back in the day, though, what is the most broke ass thing that you have ever had to do in your career? Oh, broke? Yeah. No money? My first gig in Port Hawkesbury paid me fourteen five a year. So I got $470 take home every two weeks. And after my expenses, like uh, my payment for rent and, and bills and things like that, I had about, depending, 30 to $40 for food to last me for those two weeks. And so I, would, I couldn't afford name brand Tang. So what I would do is I would get like the bulk bin juice powder. And I ate a lot of, I'm not even joking, I ate a lot of potatoes and a lot of generic brand egg noodles. 
two times a year, you would wind up getting um, an extra paycheck for each month. And when that would happen, like I would put part of it away and then I would spend the rest on like good food and I would eat really good food for a month. It was like, that was the best thing ever. That was luxury month. That was luxury month, man. You're getting ragu brand spaghetti sauce rather than blue label generic brand spaghetti sauce. My stomach can't even handle ragu because it just doesn't recognize. It's like, this is real food. What have you done? <laughs> what, what have you done to me, you fool? <laughs> I made like this bagel sandwich. I made like a toasted bagel with cream cheese, Swiss cheese, some smoked ham, and like some peppercorns. And I remember when I was eating it, I was like... I was eating it really slowly so I could savor every bite because to me, I was like, oh my God, this, this is the greatest sandwich I've ever had. So you, you, you tell me about that sandwich and that sounds like something that you need like your Toronto money to be eating. Never yeah, mind. exactly, man. <laughs> you can't, you think you can afford bagels when you're making 14, five a year? What are you crazy? <laughs> what are you making them yourself? You got a stone grinding flour grinder at your house. That doesn't happen. We've painted uh, a somewhat, dark and negative picture of radio <laughs> so far this morning. Uh, let's turn it around. What's the coolest thing you've got to do because of being in radio? I got to interview Weird Al Yankovic. Really? That was pretty rad. Oh, yeah, man. Weird Al Yankovic came in the studio and he co-hosted my afternoon show with me. That was pretty awesome. And it's funny because like that's always the first thing I say because Weird Al Yankovic started in radio and then he co-hosted my show with me for a day, which was like the coolest thing ever. He is one of the smartest, most down-to-earth, awesome guys you'll ever meet. And we talked about, like, Shel Silverstein and, like, where the sidewalk ends and the giving tree and, and the importance of teaching kids how to read and reading to children and all that. Like, it, it was really awesome for me because I'm a big supporter of, like, literacy programs, especially in the city for, like, going to schools and reading to kids, encouraging kids to read books and write books. I really think that that's an important thing. And talking to him and you meet so many of your idols from growing up like and and i'm not saying like i'm 19 and throwing on weirdo yankovic albums or anything anymore but like i remember when i was like in my preteens and younger and how much i loved weirdo yankovic and then you meet him and he's way cooler than what you thought he was going to be like and he's way more with it and we just, we talked about all these cool things. We talked about barbecuing. He loves to barbecue. He's like a huge barbecue guy. And so like, and then you're, you're having this conversation and midway through, like, I'm talking about barbecue with Weird Al Yankovic. That's amazing. And then Josh Homme co-hosts my show, Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age. And we talked about parenting and kids shows and, and ways to encourage your kids to play music. And he was in the studio when I got the call to find out that my wife was in labor with our second kid. And, and I'm like, I got to go. He's like, wow, you got like four hours, dude. Don't worry about it. It was like the <laughs> coolest thing ever. Like Josh Homme was amazing. Just a rock star talking you through it. Just, oh, don't worry, man. Just breathe. Things are going to be fine. Yeah. And the, the Game of Thrones cast, like I'm the only guy in Canada like the only radio guy who's on the official HBO press tour. So when the newsroom came back, Jeff Daniels was in the studio. When the first press tour for Game of Thrones went through, Peter Dinklage came in, and I was like so excited to talk to Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage has like the greatest voice ever. So he came in, and, and Kit Harrington came in, and, and it just, it was all these amazingly cool things happened. But that's not so much radio, that's just the Toronto thing. And I think it also is because the company that owns The Edge also owns HBO Canada. So you kind of get bumped ahead on the pecking order for a lot of those things. 
But there's a lot of really, really cool things that have happened since coming here. And I'm not sure if whether that's radio or that's just Toronto, but it's pretty cool, man. I thought I think it's pretty awesome. You've said before in, in talking to me that you'd like to wind down your radio career, though, in a smaller market. Like You talk Absolutely. about all these cool things that happen in Toronto. Why wouldn't you want to stay there as long as possible? There's more important things than this. Like, uh, Stu Myers, he's somebody I know that you like a lot and I like a lot. And Stu Myers, is he, he's the general manager of uh, Bell in Calgary. And to give some people that aren't familiar with his name, because odds are if you're not in the industry, you're not. Whenever George Strombolopoulos and I are emailing back and forth or tweeting back and forth or texting, we always sign everything with Sons of Stu. Because Strombo credits his whole broadcasting career to Stu Myers. And I credit me getting here to Stu Myers. So we always say sons of Stu because Stu's the man. He's just he's one of those guys. He's the man. He's got like he's got the best perspective on the business from both the top and the bottom and he sees it for what it is. And there's a lot of people like they get distracted by having guys like Josh Homme and all that come into the studio and they 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 lose perspective about why we do this. Like maybe you start out and you do this cuz you've got like some grudge that you want to show people you can be successful and you can do all these things. But there comes a time where you grow up as a person and is my priority getting some cool interview in the studio? No, my priority is making sure that my, my kids have a good life and that they can do all the things they want to do and that my wife doesn't hate me and that my home life is happier. And Stu Myers has this line that sums it up perfectly and he just says, this isn't my life, it's how I make my living. And so that's the way I look at it. And being in Toronto, you have this opportunity. It's the, it's like it's kind of like if you're a rancher, you know. If you're a rancher, you've got your cows. Do you love your cows? Well, no, you got to slaughter some of them. But the cows are a means to an end. So in Toronto, you have the most cows possible. I've got this massive herd of cattle. But there will come a time where the hassle of dealing with all of them just won't be worth it enough because it will be interfering with my home life. So I will slaughter them all take the money, walk away, and have a really small herd somewhere where that's not even my real focus anymore. So when I get to the point in my career where my mortgage is paid off, oh, buddy, I'm going to like a small little market. I'm going to go back to like Kentville, Nova Scotia. I'm going to do mornings in a small market, community radio. I'm going to have like tickets to the Apple Blossom Festival where half of the members of Trooper are playing two songs and I'm going to be content because that won't be what the focus is anymore. The focus would just be being a dad. And I think that that's the most important thing you can do. Not like everybody should go have kids, but when you do have kids, just make sure you're aware that that's what's more important. You know, do you want me to put in a word for you here in Lloyd Minster? I totally come back and do mornings in Lloydminster, but I know there's a guy named Drew who does mornings, and he's a pretty good guy. <laughs> well, thank you. But uh, to, to steer your uh, sudden generosity elsewhere, I always like to ask everybody who comes on the show, your favorite out-of-market DJ, favorite person who's on the air right now, whether it's someone who's been doing it forever or somebody who's just coming up that you want all the people listening to go out and find out more about and listen to. Oh, dude. It's a horrible question to ask because it's hard. There's this one guy, he's doing overnights at the Zone in Victoria. He's British. I forget what his name is. And he's really good. And what I get really annoyed with, with DJs with accents because even if they're, like, mediocre and they have an accent, people just have this assumption that they're really good when they're not. Right. And they're like, oh, that guy's so good. No, they're not. Like, they just have an accent. It's okay. 
Uh, but this guy, he's British, and he does overnights at the Zone in Lloydminster. He's fantastic. I encourage people to find out about him. Ryan Meyer at the Bear, I've been a huge fan of forever. Ryan Meyer is the king. He is like the second coming. He's amazing. Talents like he's off the wall genius. He's brilliant. Our evenings guy here in Toronto. I know you said out of market, but he just came here a few months ago. Greg B. Harrell is his name. I think Greg B. Harrell is far none like the most talented, individualized radio announcer Canada has right now, period, bar none. Although working with him, he's like Andy Kaufman. He's got, he's so manic. I have so much respect for that guy. He is, nobody in this business is more creative and out there than Greg Bihero. Like, I am a huge advocate of what he does. But I guarantee you, half the people that will listen to him will be like, this is just garbage. I hate it. But I think he's amazing. I think he's absolutely brilliant. He did his show on Friday from the Leviathan Roller Coaster in, at Wonderland. And when I say he did his show, I don't mean like he wrote it once. He wrote it for five straight hours and did his whole show on a roller coaster. <laughs> and he's doing a show in a few weeks underwater from the shark tank at the Ripley's Aquarium. He's going to be underwater doing a show in a shark tank. Uh, two things. First guy you were talking about is John Williams. John Williams. From yeah, the yeah. zone in Victoria, not in Lloydminster. I can't yeah. handle that kind of competition, so he can stay out on the coast. This is the fifth episode of the Off Mic Podcast. You're the second person to put over Greg Beharrell, so... Who is the first? Drex from Fox. Yeah, oh, dude, he's amazing. Greg Beharrell is amazing. But, you know, he's, he's kind of... it's it's. Greg Harrell and I have completely different views on what radio is. And I think it's because that when I was early in my career, I was a big Stern fan. So I got really into the whole Stern thing about being real and opening yourself up. But he also did bits and characters. And I don't do a lot of bits and I don't do a lot of characters. Uh, but I really love finding comedy in the minutia of your day-to-day. Like, I remember this is one of my favorite breaks I ever did in my career. And I did it at the GOAT. And I did a break that was about two minutes and 30 seconds long where I was playing the Superman theme song in the background about me changing the coffee filter and the coffee maker in the kitchen. And I'm just talking about how inept I am at life and how I can't even make coffee properly. To me, that's funny. Like yesterday, I was... I took a piss and I was leaving the bathroom and we have all these boardrooms, right? And they've got like floor to ceiling windows on them. And whenever I leave the bathroom, I always have this habit of checking to see if my fly is done up. And so I'm walking past this, like, this big boardroom where there's this big meeting going on and I'm checking my fly and I make eye contact with this woman in this meeting. And I realize. I'm fondling my groin while making direct eye contact with some strange woman in a boardroom. And as soon as I do it, I immediately just shake my head. And now I have this idea that I am like looking at a woman, grabbing my groin, shaking my head, going, you can't have this. You can't have this. And I'm like, Kennedy, you're such an idiot. Like, oh, God, that's. To me, that's funny. Like, I, I do breaks about that, but Greg is so in character all the time that he doesn't ever do that. But Beharrell, he's a machine. I hope I didn't swear too much. Did I swear too much? No. Fuck, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck. There and we go. There we Done. Go. We've had one episode so far where the guest didn't swear, and that's because the guy's on a reality TV show right now. So Who? Joseph O2. He's on that drafted show for Sportsnet. Ah, all right. Smart guy. Smart guy. If he gets the job and moves to Toronto, you guys should be friends. You guys could start a off mic podcast guest club. Actually, one of the guys who was on drafted, uh, Ryan Long was his name. 
He's hilarious. He's in, he's from Toronto though, but he comes on my show every now and again. He's got like a show on cable access here called It's All Gone Long, and he he's pretty funny too. He's a pretty out there guy. He I think he uh, has a bit of a runny nose. Wink, wink. Drug reference, uh, but he's a pretty good guy. It's pretty funny. <laughs> now, for the six people on planet Earth that have not been swept up in your media empire yet, how can people find more Fearless Fred? I'm pretty good on Twitter, uh, fearless underscore Fred on Twitter. Uh, and what's funny is I never, I didn't even have a Twitter account until I came to Toronto, but now I got like 57,000 followers or something on it. You can email me, fred at edge.ca. All my comics and my writing, and I've got a comic actually, and I don't know if I can really talk about it much, but one of the comics that I write is up to be turned into a series on, uh, on AMC, and also with Amazon, because they're going to get into their own like Netflix-esque TV production thing. So BigSexyComics.com, you can go there. And I'm not going to tell you which one of those comics is about to be, is in that process right now. But I actually had a phone call this morning. So You have to go and yeah. read them all and figure it out yourselves. If you read them backwards, the message is there. <laughs> all right, man. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Last thing before I let you go. What is, if you could pick any song, because we wrap the show up with the spin of the week where we let the guest pick the, the best song that's out right now. What would your song be if you could introduce one song here? Didn't you come to the Wolf Mother concert with me and Diener? No, Didn't because you go to that I one? don't like Wolf Mother, and we have fought about this for like 10 years. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, whoa, whoa, sorry. Um, if I was going to pick one song just because I know you love Wolf Mother so much, I am going to have to say uh, Witchcraft by Wolf Mother. I'll, I'll pick that one just because I know you love them a lot. Well, I'll play your Wolf Mother song, but only because you spent hours and hours teaching me how to be bad at radio, so... Okay, good. I'm glad, I'm glad my lessons have finally paid off. I'm doing your Lloydminster legacy proud, my friend. Thank you.
glad to hear you're doing well. How's the wife? She's good. She's good. She's working in oil now, so at least one of us is making money. Hot. So hot. <laughs> She's got coveralls and a hard hat and shit. It's pretty cool. I love it. She makes more in her mid-month paycheck than I make in a month. <sighs> Disgusting. 